turn down our theme music as much as I would love to jam to it I all wish night. you had written like a heartwarming version of it for the end of the year. Oh man, I didn't even think of that. I only just now thought of that, so I apologize for not giving giving you the idea earlier. Yeah, I know. That's all your fault. We're going to stay with that. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. It is Thursday night, which means it's time for Pop and Schlock Live. Woo-hoo-hoo! The last Pop and Schlock Live of 2018. Thank you for listening to KPFT HD2. I am your host, Jay Goodson Dodd, also known as Jake for brevity's sake. With me, as always, is Meredith Nudo. Hi. And we are going to be attempting, attempting to wrap up 2018 in a nice, tidy little bow, um, at least as best we can. Uh, uh, there is. This has been a great year, <laughs> uh, at least for at least for yeah. mo- at least for movies. Um, no, only for movies. O- only for movies, and also for comedy. Yeah, movie- so movies and comedy are the only two good things that happened this year. Yeah, not so much uh, everything else going on in the world at large, but at least uh, on on this side of the mixing board, we are, we've had a pretty good year. Um, and it's it was hard to predict how everything was going to go whenever we first went back on the air in January, which I can't believe we're already almost coming up on our year anniversary. I can't believe the FCC hasn't kicked us off yet. We've had some close calls. Um, no, I mean not even for being offensive, just for being us. Just just for violating the sensibilities of the listening public at large. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm so happy that we've made it this far. Um, so today, what we're going to do is we are going to try to put 2018 into perspective. Kind of talk about some of the things we wish we could have analyzed at length, uh, devoted a full episode to. But like I said, this was a this was a good year for movies. So the fact that we have we had so many things vying for possible episodes meant that uh, some things were going to get overshadowed or overlooked or uh, just all around missed. So right. we want to kind of we want to try to rectify that. We didn't want to do a top ten. No, because definitely. A, everybody is doing a top ten, and B, I, I don't know how, Jake, you see it, but for me, I have a really hard time ranking things against genre, because, like, for right. me, Spider-Verse was probably my my top favorite movie of the year, but how can you say that Spider-Verse is better than something like If Beale Street Could Talk, which is right. a Barry Jenkins masterpiece? That I mean, it's gorgeous, it's wonderful, it's very artful, thoughtful, relevant, and everything as is Spider-Verse, but it's a completely different aesthetic, tries to accomplish a different thing, has a different target audience. So I think that ranking those against one another is disingenuous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not fair, um, and it doesn't really do anybody any favors in the long run. Right. Um, so I feel like what we're going to do instead Like if we were is... doing it by genre or something, like, like the best Venom movies, we would have Upgrade and then Venom. But... Uh, you know, but that's different. That's yeah. That's nichey. But overall, yeah. that that's that's not what you're going to get from us on Pop and Schlock. No, and I think that the truth of the matter is, we did see enough film this year. At least I feel like I felt enough. I saw enough film this year to make some genre-based decisions as far as what was the top in you know what have you. Um, this is a year where uh, I had to sit down and ask myself hmm, what was the best western um, because I saw quite a. 
few that I enjoyed. Um, I saw quite a few great sci-fi films. I saw more than a few good horror films. Uh, I saw this was a great year for horror. It was a great year for animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, actually, a lot on my movies that we missed list are, are animated. Yeah, so, I mean, there, if we wanted to uh, come up with a pop and schlock best in genre, I'm sure we could do it, but that's not really what we're here to do. Um, what I would like to do is highlight some of the things that we didn't get to talk about and highlight some of the films that we want to really recommend. Maybe some of uh, some of our listeners are newer listeners. Maybe some of them haven't gone back through the archives that are available on iTunes and Spotify. Just search pop and schlock on either of those platforms to find us. Um there are some episodes that maybe they might have missed and some things that I want to reiterate that uh, were just absolute pleasures this year. Um, as I was uh, enjoying the holidays with uh, my wife and her family, uh, one of her cousins asked me something, and it was something I hadn't thought of just about yet, And uh, because he, like me, will just go out and try to watch a lot. Uh, he'll try to watch a lot of different movies, and we'll have discussions about those. And... He was asking if there's anything that uh, he felt I needed to recommend, like to anybody that I ran into. What was the one movie this year that I would recommend that people see? And it's funny because, you know, doing a movie show like this, we see a lot of things. And uh, I feel like this year I did a lot of uh, there were far more instances where I was like, do not waste your time on this movie. Um, but there are some that I do really want to go back and champion. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, though, is that I I'm so hard pressed to think of something that would be universally enjoyed or beloved. And I'm not. Well, I'm not even saying this is something that you will enjoy. Uh, and it's just something where, as someone who has enjoyed watching a lot of movies this year, I feel like there were some that were maybe not given the attention or the accolades that they deserved, or that they were uh, wrongfully overlooked. And if I if I honestly think about it, uh, I'd have to go back to the early days of us here at KPFT, and I really want to once again point out that everybody uh, needs to watch Annihilation. Uh, that movie is probably, it, I, like I said, we're not doing a top ten list, but it is up at the top of my favorite movies of this year. And I felt like it was kind of wrongfully overlooked. I feel like a lot of people got uh, bought into the idea that... Uh, it was going to show up on Netflix, so they didn't need to go out and see it, and that's why it was kind of overlooked. I think there was a miscommunication in the way that film was going to be distributed uh, because of the international rights. Uh, but it was one of my all-around favorite films of the year, and I feel like it didn't get enough. Uh, it didn't get enough credit. Um, and again, another one that I feel like people should take a chance on and give a wa- a uh, give a watch is uh, Proud Mary. I don't feel like that got enough love. No, uh, it's not, not it's at not all. A, it's not a stellar movie by any means, but it is definitely one that's worth watching, especially if you're into uh, gangster films or or even action films. Or it's, it's one of those weird cross-genre films that I think that a lot of people would enjoy if they just gave it a chance. And so those are like my two movies that I'm, that I'm dubbing my, oh, please go back and uh, give these films a chance. Uh, and then listen to the figure. episodes. That I, mean, I, noticed, yeah. I noticed that you conveniently picked two that we had covered. <laughs> yeah, those are, well, those are those are ones that I, I'm glad that we did cover. Oh, we have a we have a, a question comment on the video. Oh, that's just Milton hey, wishing Milton. us a good show. Thanks, Milton. Thanks, buddy. We what? can't wait to have you on for Hellboy. Oh, and uh, a few people have asked me what do you what do you think about the Hellboy trailer? And I will say this: um, it did not make me very excited for the film, but it did make me 
break out a couple of Billy Idol records and put those on my turntable. So I guess mission accomplished, whoever cut that trailer. I think it's going to be fine, but Hellboy is a very easy sell for me. Yeah. Uh, especially I mean, if you make him Hell Daddy. I mean, I'm not... I'm never going to skip a Hellboy movie because I love Hellboy as a character. I'm going back and rereading the Omnibus editions right now. I just have a feeling I'm going to be I'm going to be one of the naysayers. It's like it's fine, guys. It's fine. I f- it's that, fine. Well, people who like it's Hel- fine. People who like Hellboy. It's fine. Really, really like. But Hellboy. I really, really like Hellboy. Yeah, but they get I, defensive. I literally own the first like <laughs> copy of a Hellboy comic. Like it's it's framed and everything. I love Hellboy. Hellboy was one of the things that got me back into reading comics. Yeah, so I mean, so point I'm, being though, I'm definitely looking forward to that movie. But I'm I'm open to it. So for us to say that like Hellboy people that love Hellboy seem upset. I love Hellboy. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. A certain type of people who like Hellboy are very upset. There you go. There we go. Hashtag not all Hellboy fans. Uh, uh, so I I took two weeks off of work because I had lose it or use it paid time, which meant that I was able to catch up on. Uh, the movies that I wanted to see but hadn't had to chance, hadn't had the ability to go to the movie theater because this was a, a very bu- very busy year for me, um, uh, so I watched thirty eight movies yeah. in less than a month. I, I am more movie and Shake Shack than human now. Like I'm half Shake Shack, half human, and like I'm a disgusting cholesterol bomb whose brain is full of nothing but images of. Of Nicolas Cage chainsaw fighting on a motorcycle, which is a thing that happened. And, uh, no, so I've spent a lot of time playing catch up, uh, and Jake kindly gave me permission to list everything she's, that I she's saw. She's just going to go, okay, so. I had a checklist. Happen, what's going to happen is she's going to go through her spreadsheet that she meticulously made of the movies that she wanted to watch this year but didn't get a chance to. There are, as she said, about 38 of them. And I watched a total of 39 movies because after watching Christmas Chronicles, I immediately uh, turned on Escape from New York. Which is a thing that happens. It's just natural. But these are the movies that Meredith wanted to watch, but and we didn't manage to until the last three weeks of the year. So wanted to do episodes on so, them. So go ahead. <sighs> Love, Simon. Death of Stalin. Early Man. Isle of Dogs. Izzy gets the F across town. Hereditary. Tag. Hotel Artemis. Tully. Upgrade. Blockers. Teen Titans. Go to the movies. Smallfoot. Shout out to my friend uh, Trisha Bukowski, who worked on that movie. Sorry to bother you, Black Klansman. The hate you give. Madeline's Madeline. Night a short walk on girl. The house of the clock and its walls. Tehran taboo. Mandy. Have a nice day. The other side of the wind. Ramen heads. The ballad of Buster Scruggs. The favorite. If Beale Street could talk. A suitable girl. The Christmas Chronicles. Dumplin' permission. Red Sparrow. Game night. White boy. Rick science fair. Lizzie and you might be the killer. We didn't start the fire. fire. This joke was coming since she started reading. Okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. You can. can you can. Passes out. It's the, it's. It's the end of the year as we know it, and um, I have, I'm pretty sure, violated some sort of copyright law. Nope, parody's protected. Anyway, um, so you watched a lot of, a lot of movies over the last three to four weeks. Um, a bunch of those I watched throughout the year and also wished that we had time to cover them for the film, uh, or for the, for the show. Um, there's a couple of movies on, a couple of movies that you did not list that I had managed to watch and wanted to cover. Um, one of those was uh, a Netflix original film called uh, The Apostle, which was directed by Gareth Evans, who directed the Raid films, which... Did uh, he also do the, uh... 
No, I'm thinking of Gareth Edwards. Yeah, Gareth Edwards and uh, Gareth Edwards and Gareth uh, Evans are two entirely different people. Yeah, I don't know. Which uh, all Gareths are look the same yeah. to me. It's it's very yeah. There's Gareth Evans, and then there's uh, Gareth Edwards, and then there's uh, Gareth Maringi. <laughs> he has a dark place. It's Garth, not Gareth. I thought it was Gareth. I thought it was Garth Maringi. Is it? I don't know. I love that show though. I don't know. It's That's been it's show. been a while since I've watched it on the uh, on the recommendation of somebody who has a far different. Uh, comedic taste than me oh those that's totally my yeah i know i I know that that, that's a show that i I feel like this is made for meredith Um, oh if you've got richard aote and and matt berry that's that's definitely for me like like death of stalin was something that i kind of wish we had covered because that is totally my style of humor well i feel like ianucci's films are just like tailor-made for your sensibilities so i'm surprised you didn't browbeat me into watching that one and covering it at some point i don't think it was playing for long in houston i think it was only here for a couple of days and then it left so that that was why i didn't but i was like who knows when michael palin's gonna be in another movie good point but yeah, I, th- I think uh, most of the things that you have seen... Let me see if there's any that that I actually watched. Blockers um, was pretty funny. I was I, surprised at how good Blockers was. Blockers was great. I love John Cena in a totally platonic way. I know he's single, but he doesn't. I don't seem like his type. And, and I he, wanted to see Sisters Brothers, but as far as I know, that's not available to watch yet. Yeah, and I uh, heard it was terrible, but I still want to see it and make my own opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely, a big one that I wanted to talk about was Hereditary, because that one yeah. knocked my socks off. Uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies was one of my favorite animated movies of the year. Uh, definitely had my favorite extended musical number. Um I definitely. Sorry to bother you. Of course, I was sad we didn't um, get to do a sorry to bother. Sorry episode. to bother you. That was, one of those, was one of those movies that I feel like uh, maybe some people might hate us for not doing. Same thing with Black Klansman. Um, that was one that uh, I really, really greatly enjoyed. Uh, but at the same time, though, I don't feel like we're qualified to dissect those. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a... I mean, otherwise it's just going to turn into white people explaining black film. Yeah, and that's that's a, that's an astute observation. I would have liked to have brought somebody in to answer some of the questions that I had about that film more than allow me to discuss it. Um, I still have not seen The Favorite. That's on my list. Oh, The Favorite was so funny. Um, and... Oddly enough, one of the ones that I really wish we could have... We probably could have done a good uh, mashup episode with uh, both Game Night and uh, Blockers. I was surprised at how much I liked Game Night, too. Game Night is... uh, That was written by uh, John Francis Daly, who... uh, kind of churns out these surprisingly well-put-together comedies. Um, And also, it featured the dog from Widows. Oh, yeah. I knew there was, I didn't realize it was the same dog. It's the same dog. That dog is getting bank. Nice. Um, nice. But yeah, as, as far as the only thing I would add to that list uh, the was uh, The Apostle on Netflix, which um, Dan Stevens is making a... I, I've been arguing that he needs to be the next James Bond for a very, very long time. Uh, but his, uh, his work in that was really, really well... Uh, really serviced the material well and uh, also michael sheen as a uh as a megalomaniac uh cult leader was uh it was oh wow pitch, that's the pitch, part he was born it to was play pitch per- it was pitch perfect um so if uh if you haven't if you haven't seen that and you enjoy sort of darker off the wall uh horror thriller films i don't want to give too much away but definitely i like that. i like those things yeah definitely give it a sh- give it a shot it is a to call it a dark film is a little bit of an understatement. Um, it is dark and it is violent and it is everything that I enjoy about that type of film. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
it's been a really good year uh, for movies. I will say this. You, you know that Westerns are a really hard sell for me. Mm-hmm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs was fantastic. I... I, I feel loved. like we might be a little bit in the minority in how much we enjoy but that. But it's weird, though, because I do see... I saw nothing but good reviews, but then I also heard that people are hating it. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's maybe just that uh, whenever it comes to criticism and film lately, uh, that negativity get is uh, projected louder. Um, but most of the responses that I've seen to that film have been largely in the negative. Um, That's so interesting to me, because it was... I mean, I'm failing to see what was really the problem. I feel like um, part of it is just a maybe a, a lack of appreciation for the anthology format, um, which is. I mean, and this was a, this was the rare anthology where pretty much every installation was a pretty strong yeah, every, short in and of itself, especially the one with uh, with Tom Waits. We were talking yeah, about we before were, this. Tom, well, t- Tom Waits, Waits is, is a treasure. Yeah, but and, I mean, it's Tom Waits acting against Tom Waits. It's fantastic. Yeah. He's just is just him. Gold digging. Yeah, and then the and, and then the, uh, the 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 damn Liam Neeson segment, which oh, uh, was just some of the darkest stuff that uh, the Coen Brothers have ever done, oh, and that's yeah. saying something. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Ballad of Buster Scruggs was uh, that was one that I was greatly looking forward to, and that was one where. Uh, as it was going through development, I found myself thinking about it a lot, and a lot of people were discussing it because nobody knew exactly what format it was supposed to take. Because at some point, it was announced it was oh, it's just a film, and then it turned and it was going to be a miniseries, and then it was supposed to be this anthology thing. And I think that a lot, not a lot of people knew what to expect out of it, and I feel like that might have been what drove some of the negative backlash because I personally loved it. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. And people calling it lesser Cohen Brothers uh, out. Output. Clearly, I've never seen the Lady Killers, mm. da, 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 da. Uh, which is, I guess, along with Intolerable Cruelty, one of two Coen Brothers films that I didn't care for. Uh, speaking of some of the disappointments that were in here, uh, Izzy gets the F across town. Disappointing. Yeah, I, know you, I know you had talked about wanting to see I was that. really excited for that one. Uh, Isle of Dogs, I was kind of disappointed in. I was... Uh, okay. Um, what else? I, I want to talk about Isle of Dogs real quick. Because yeah. um, I didn't hate it. No, I didn't but, hate it either. But, but I also think that a lot of my negative feelings about that film come from the fact that I watched it back to back with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh. Because Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. I love that movie. Um, its comedic sensibilities and its aesthetics just speak to me on a on a really profound level. So whenever I got to Isle of Dogs, I found it lacking in all departments that were not Jeff Goldblum related. Yeah. So it's, that's that's one of those films where I can't really say a whole lot negative about it. It's just one of those ones that it didn't grab me well, the way that I had hoped it would. And Japanese critics were very mixed as well. Some I were see like why. some were like I feel like this is an extremely like reductive view of what our culture is like. Some were like, I feel like this, but I'm not, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I'm offended, just disappointed. Right. Some were actually offended. And I feel like all of those perspectives are valid. I don't feel like it's, with both of us, neither of us being Japanese, it's not for us to say this is or is not offensive. But I'm kind of leaning toward a lot of it was, felt very reductive to me. Like it was, it was borderline kind of how weeaboos see Uh, Japan. And I mean, let's be real here being a weeaboo is racist a little bit like there's a difference between being someone who appreciates japanese culture and being a weeaboo 
Yeah. Um, um, and I think that it kind of started skirting up to that weeaboo line. Yeah, I like I can watch Studio Ghibli films without going out and buying a kimono. And I mean, look, a lot of us, especially those of us in the mid-90s and early 2000s, did have a weeaboo phase. But the thing is, once you realize that it's kind of, it's like racist to be a weeaboo, stop being a ding-dang weeaboo. Well, it's... It's not that hard. Well, the... I think a lot of it comes from the fact that if you're, <laughs> excuse me, it's it's entirely fine to love and appreciate uh, Japanese culture because I mean I do I'm one of those well, people yeah. like I mean here let's get, let's go into the into Jake's nerd moment for the show um, like I absolutely love everything about um, the culture and the artistry about uh, Japanese pro wrestling but never at any point am I going to be a person who tries to insert myself into Japanese culture um, I'm not going to be a person who tries to overlay Japanese culture onto my own and try to forge an identity through that right because that see, wouldn't that wouldn't be right that um, was definitely a mistake that I made in high school but once I realized that that was actually like super insulting yeah I was like I'm going to stop because this is wrong so I mean I'm not saying like well I mean you're I, inherently a bad person if you're a weeaboo I'm just saying like once you figure out that what you're a, well, doing there's is a insulting threshold. it's there's a certain threshold well I and, knew that I was crossing the threshold ugh. so so like but I mean look I was a high school kid yeah I did a lot uh, of dumb stuff in high school I think that's what high school is for yeah I know, I'm not saying that that was that that was I'm not saying that that's like an excuse but I am saying is that I did grow out of it a long time ago right and, and once I realized that it was very insulting for me to be like that and I mean I, I have actually been to Japan nine times I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's one of those, but like, I mean, I have been, and I, and it's absolutely right that like it, it is an extremely reductive view. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that it needs to be an in-depth cultural exploration, but I think like. Well, I think that I think that authenticity is important, and I feel like, um, I feel like maybe. Some of the critics of Wes Anderson's films uh, tend to focus on the fact that there is more effort put into the aesthetic than there is to the authenticity. And I feel like he maybe was not the right person to tell that particular story. I think story. that is 100% accurate. And it, it, it's like, you know, I, I, I love films that deal with Japanese culture. I love films that come from Japan. Um, it's like I, I have a completely unironic, unironic love and appreciation for kaiju films. Well, two of the um, two of the movies on this list that I had were were Japanese. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not that I don't appreciate and, it. And nobody's just... saying that you can't, like, go out of your way to find ways to show appreciation for that culture. Like, if you love Japanese cinema so much that you want to learn how to speak Japanese so that you can better appreciate the nuances of those performances and be able to understand that culture, you know, that's that's great. But pretending that you are something you're not, um, that is... That that's where it gets really icky. We're trying to override the culture, and I kind of feel like that was what Wes Anderson was doing. Is that yeah. he was just extracting an aesthetic. Yeah, and it, it didn't. Again, it didn't land. authenticity. Yeah, you know, it didn't land. So it didn't land. Um, but again, I'm going to defer to Japanese critics on whether or not, to what degree it was. But I, I do kind of I agree. Find with my, the... I didn't find myself being personally offended by it, but at the same time, I did find myself being slightly squicked by it. I think that was more what the reaction was. Is that I'm not offended, but I'm very uncomfortable. Like I'm, I'm not it's... offended, but this this feels off. It seemed, I would say, in a non-sexual way, it felt fetishy. 
That's a good way of putting it. That is a very good way of putting it. Um, and I'm not. I'm. Don't let it be me. You know, to the people who were kind of on the fence about watching it. Don't let it be us to say don't watch and evaluate the film on your own merits. But just know that there, there no are, going into no it. No going into it. What to expect? However, from an animation perspective, it's beautiful. Oh yeah, from an animation perspective, it's absolutely amazing. And I feel like that's just. That also comes from a place that I really like stop motion animation. Oh, yeah. And speaking of stop motion, um, Early Man, which kind of came out around the same time as Black Panther. So yeah, anything was, which I mean, fair enough. Black Panther was amazing. Yeah. And I, I also feel like that was always going to be a hard sell here in America because it is so very British. A film. Oh, yeah. And British, like I love all of the the Ardman Studio stuff. Same here. But I don't feel like some like their output is always that British. Like Chicken Run does not feel that entirely British. Flushed Away is not. Yeah, Flushed Away is not. British either. Um, and I mean Wallace and Gromit, as uh, as British as it is, doesn't feel as British as. Oh, Early, oh, Early Man. Man is is one of the most British things they've ever done. Yeah, it's, and it's unapologetically fit, British. But it, and it's it's sweet. It's yeah. a very sweet movie. It's very cute. It's very enjoyable very charm well it's an Ardman movie it's kind of yeah. you mentioned Ghibli earlier mm -hmm. Ghibli you know what you're going to get with a Ghibli movie it's the same with Ardman as well they have right. an aesthetic they have a sensibility that they stick to and that they're consistent with and so if as you well they should. if you tend to like Ardman stuff you're going to like Early Man if you don't like Ardman you're probably not but I do I, I think it's wonderful and I would recommend. Well, I just love the Ardman films because of their sensibility with the with the humor and so much of it. One of the things that I, this doesn't get talked about enough with stop motion animation is how amazing it is that they meld the timing of comedy with the timing of the stop motion. Oh yeah. Um, and it's one of my favorite gags. I think from any animated film came from Chicken Run. <laughs> Which was the, I don't want to be a pie. I don't like gravy. <laughs> Just the the slight pause makes that line delivery so, so very perfect. And, uh, and a shout out to, to Ardman Studios for also being the stop motion animators for Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer video, which is older than Jake. Yeah. Uh, they animated the uh, the bumper cars bumping and the, the chickens and the eggs that were dancing. That was my first exposure to their work. Yeah. They also did those creature feature shorts, too, from the early right. 90s that were super fun and cute as well. Very British. Yeah. And I, I, I love... It, that, that's another one. Uh, sometimes I feel like there is this... Uh, you know, we, we talked about how bad weeaboos can be, but the people who are appropriative of uh, English culture uh, are just as bad. It was like the the weird like post-2011 Tumblr culture where everyone lot, latched on to Sherlock and uh, like thought that they were, you know, upper-crust British people and try... And, the type of people who add use to words unnecessarily. I think, I think those people are called teaboos. I th okay. There was actually a word for it, teaboo. That works. I like that. If it isn't a thing, uh, I'm stealing there's it. There's weeaboo, teaboo, and koreaboo. Mm. I'm learning all sorts of things here today. But speaking of animation, there's uh, there was some there was a lot of great animation. The Teen this, Titans go to the movies. I love Teen Titans. Smallfoot. And I will say, Night a Short Walk on Girl. I was disappointed. I typically really like you uh, Yuasa movies and Yuasa shows. Devilman Crybaby earlier in the year, I was like, whoa, this is so good. Uh, I just didn't like the story very much for that. But the animation was gorgeous. But the storyline just didn't grab me. Um, Tehran Taboo was you know, that, that would gut you. I saw that actually uh, one of the ones that I didn't that I didn't cram into the, the last. 
the last two weeks of the year. Um, I saw that one at the uh, Iranian Film Festival. Right, I know and, you were in January. About how you wanted to go to that? Uh, well, I try and go every year and see at, at least three or four movies. But uh, this year, I was only able to make it out to one. And I saw Tehran Taboo, and that was uh, it was rotoscoped. That was the one where uh, I f- were you. I feel like you were telling me something about how the it was promoted as being similar to Persopolis. But, yes, but it was nothing. At yes, all. yeah, and how? Yeah, you're right. We had that conversation. It was promoted as being just like Persepolis because it's animated, and it's about Iran. That's literally the only. That's where the only end. similarity, and that kind of it bothered me. Again, speaking about reductionism. Versus, it was reductionism that we sometimes see in non-English speaking foreign films and the reductionism that we often see in animated films as well. You cannot compare rotoscoping to a straightforward animation of Marjan Satrapi's extremely and deliberately cartoony style. Right. Marjan Satrapi's design work is deliberately meant to be cartoony to kind of counterpoint the fact that she draws and experiences some absolutely horrific and heinous things. She got that sensibility from Art Spiegelman. Right. Because Mouse was a huge influence on her work. Tehran Taboo is rotoscoped, which is basically you take video of it and then you animate Animate over it. it. Yes. Completely different aesthetic sensibilities. Mm -hmm. And what they were trying to say were two completely different things as well. Marzan Chatrapi's story is autobiographical. It's about her experiences as a child during the Iranian Revolution and the deposition of the Shah, where Iran went from being extremely secular to uh, an extremely restrictive Islamic state. Right. Uh, and I, I say this from, I say that from a historical perspective, not from a, not from a, I'm an Alex Jones shaking my fist perspective. Right. Uh, so she wrote about that and then having to go to Europe because her parents thought that she would be safer there, but she was on the tail end of some heinous racism and didn't feel comfortable there either. So right. she, you know, that was the story. Tehran Debu is a, an exploration of contemporary Iranian culture, then which has nothing to do with what was happening during the revolution in the 70s. It's about a lot of the hypocrisy where the the laws there restrict morality, but the ones that are breaking the morality (laughs) laws are the ones that are enforcing them in the first place. Right. So it, it upset me to see that those two were compared on such flimsy terms yeah and i i feel like you hit the nail on the head whenever you called it reductive um and i feel like that you uh you see that a lot in advertising for film you see it a lot in terms of it's like oh this is the easiest way to get people to get eyes on a product even if it's not genuine but it's also the easiest way to disappoint people too because if, yeah. if you're going if you're going to tehran taboo to see something like a persepolis you're going to be grossly you're going to be grossly disappointed well maybe not grossly disappointed it's not a bad it's a great movie it's a great, very visceral, very thoughtful. Um, and, you know, I, I like Iranian movies. Uh, I like Jafar Panahi's movies a lot. Like Offside was fantastic. Um, I've seen s- several at the, the film festival and everything. Um, I don't know Farsi, but I, I read subtitles. Right. And uh, I think... And I, I think I think that in doing that, though, that you are doing a disservice to bringing in foreign films and bringing in animation. Yeah. Because... People are going to go in expecting one thing, like, oh, I love Persepolis, I'll probably love this. And they'll be like, well, this wasn't like Persepolis at all. If you were honest on the front end. Yeah, that would definitely and saying, spare people a yeah, lot of headache. This is a rotoscope social commentary on Iranian culture. And, you know, the thing is, is that a lot of a lot of day-to-day people in Iran, and this is something that I've learned just going for the festival and talking to people from Iran and everything, 
that people there on the day to day are very similar to us. Mm-hmm. They I've, don't. I've heard that. From yeah, a and, great many and yet people. we're always we're always being told, "Oh yeah, no, they hate them. They hate all of us. They want us dead. They're bad, you know, people, and no, they're mo- violent." Mo- and they're modern like, "Modern and contemporary Iran is a lot different than what people would it's, expect. It's a lot different than what people are selling it as because a lot of the rank and file people are like, no, well, just like the day to day people are like, we don't like this, living. Yeah, the the everyday citizenry. We have um, more in common with the everyday citizenry." there then we probably do our own government officials by this point and oh, i've yeah. seen this over the i mean ever since i was a kid definitely but it's the same over there they have more in common probably with us than they do with their own government oh, yeah. and that's and that's something that you learn and that's that is why i'm a big proponent of foreign film is because you you learn things like this and i feel like if you are miss if you're miss selling foreign films then people miss out on these opportunities yeah, exactly, to learn they're not, they're not going to be able to experience that voice that otherwise right. would give them perspective right so if they're going into it expecting something like a persepolis they're going to be like it's not a i mean it's a fictionalized story persepolis is non-fiction right it's a biography it's an autobiography it's so vastly different and i think to missell it makes people disillusioned they're gonna be like well last time you tried to sell me on this movie is like as like right. a Persepolis, why would I want to watch another Iranian movie yeah, if you exactly. keep telling and me that... It's it's one of those things that's very important whenever you look at foreign film is the idea that it presents culture through a... Uh, it's like a primary source kind of thing. Exactly. Because like I, I always think of things in terms of like relating it back to you know education which is my you know my day-to-day um, getting films from across the world that you know come out and present their culture in an honest and open light in a way that uh, a lot of people don't normally see is so vitally, vitally important. Um, another movie that uh, I wanted to watch this year, and it's I, I, got a digi- I got a digital copy of it, but still haven't been able to make my way through it yet, was uh, Disobedience. I haven't had a chance to see it. I haven't that. watched that one yet. I haven't had a chance I, to that watch was that. Not, that was a 2017 movie, though. Was it? Yeah. Because, yeah, it, only, I looked... because it, only, it only got a release this year here in the U.S. That's... I don't know because when I looked it up, it, it keeps saying it was 2017. I yeah. wanted to see Disobedience. I, that that was going to be on my list, but I had seen it as 2017. Yeah, because it uh, it was one of those ones that uh, I, it only got a, it only got a release here in the U.S. this year. It was probably slated for release last year, but it didn't get released until because I saw the coming soon for it whenever I saw um, Hereditary. Gotcha. So that was one that I didn't get a chance to see. And then I saw that it was listed on an end-of-the-year sale, so I got a digital copy of it. Oh, nice. I haven't, haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, I had to buy Isle of Dogs to watch it. Now I'm like, I want to lend you that. I have a copy. Oh, geez. Now I, I wish I had asked. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm still trying to... One of the things I've done towards the end of the year was um, anything that we covered on this sh- on this show that I found a discounted copy of, uh, I tried to add to my own collection so I can go back and revisit it. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I only really kept my favorites, but uh, what was I going to say? Uh, you know, I'm going to go back and revisit my disappointments. Those are what I want to jump back um, into. Night is short, walk on girl, though. Like I said, also disappointing. I had to buy the DVD for that because it was only played in the u.s for two nights yeah uh both nights that i had either shows or rehearsal for shows so i i had to buy it on a region 2 dvd and watch it on a region free dvd player and i was like i went through the all the we go to i went through show. all the trouble to watch it and was like i'm so disappointed in uasa for this and like i said devil man crybaby earlier in the year was amazing it was artful and brutal and yeah. whew, it did not it did not uh it didn't pull any punches in terms of just trying to and it, it stuck with the original comics all the go nagai stuff 
and uh, it just I didn't land, and I was really disappointed in that. Um, Have a nice day was another animated movie that I saw. That's uh, that was in Mandarin. That one has been getting. I think it was released very very early in the year. <laughs> they got a lot of good reviews. I I liked it. It was very dark comedy. Yeah. Uh, very simplistically animated, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm I'm lucky in that. Uh, most of the films that I've seen this year, uh, I kind of had a good grasp on whether I was going to enjoy them when I sat down to watch them in the theater. Yeah. Well, everything um, on my list was something that I wanted to like. Right. Now, I didn't like everything. Some of the ones, though, that I absolutely the, the only... super loved, like Early Man, Hereditary. Uh, I, I will go to bat for Hotel Artemis while also admitting that it did have its weak points. It was, I didn't feel like it was a great film, but it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of so-so. I found it to be middling. Um, but it did some of the, some of what it wanted to do, it accomplished very, very well. Yeah. Um, and, the, but then there were movies that, uh, it's, it's like, a, it's like a kind of, <laughs> um, there were movies that I was hoping that would that would live up to the hype, and then they exceeded my expectations. Hereditary was one of those. Yep. Um, that was one of those movies that I went in not truly knowing uh, if it was going to live up to the hype, and I felt like it greatly did. Um, Dumplin'. I felt like that about Dumplin'. Mm. Dumplin' was... I was not expecting much from it. Loved it. Trying to, th trying to think because most of the disappointments that I've had or the ones that I not even disappointments but things that I haven't enjoyed watching most of them this year came beca because of a direct result of saying let's watch this for this program um, so uh, happy time murders um, so all I can think about now when I think of happy time murders is our idea yeah. Or how to make it better. I know. that's it's, and, and nobody thought of that at any point during the production but of But in film? terms of like movies that shot up my list, though, sorry to bother you. Oh, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. I, I'm like, uh, is, until Spider-Verse was my top movie of the year. Sorry to bother you was one of those films where I went in so blind. That's the best way to that, do it, though. That it did everything that film set out to do it was able to do because i was a blank slate um i was not somebody who had any expectations as far as, as far as what to expect beyond this is a movie that's getting some hype for being um largely inventive and it was and it, it was, was one so... of the most and that's why i mean the, the best movies that i liked this year like spider verse and Sorry to bother you. Were the most inventive and thoughtful, right? The in ones, terms that, of... the ones that you know went out of their way to do something different, which is why I'm so looking forward again uh, next year. I want to see us so bad. Yes. The trailer for that blew me away. Uh, in terms of, uh, I am so ready. And again... this has been a good, good, good few years for horror too. Yeah. And I, I attribute. I'm not going to attribute all of it to Jordan Peele, but I attribute most of it to Jordan well, Peele. A lot of. I mean, Get Out did. Get Out started a. A real push in a certain direction um, but it's it's not entirely uh, up to that as well I would um, say I would it's say, about 95% Jordan Peele I well, think also um, there's a you can draw a direct line to um, a very a series of like very low-budget high-concept horror films that did exceedingly well because they did what horror films enjoy and that's films like um, the Witch. That's the one I was it, thinking. Uh, of. The Witch. It follows um, and Get Out. I think are the are three 
very, very vitally important horror films. Um, because without the witch, we would not have Hereditary. Um, right. And then you have, uh, I mean, look at, um, I was so blown away this year by how well Halloween did. And I think a lot of that boils down to the fact that if you make films that appeal to the sensibilities of horror fans and you do it with a limited budget and you do so in a way that does not talk down to or insult the audience, I think that you really, really have something. And kind of a parallel to that, while not horror movies, I also very high up on my list because they exceeded expectations were both Mandy and uh, Upgrade. Now, those are Upgraded, both... Upgrade is such a... I feel no. like in a few years that's going to be a genre cult classic. Now, look, those are not, those are not necessarily inventive horror slasher sci-fi stuff. But they are super fun, yeah, they, and it's kind of like this. I'll, I'll, I'm going to back up a little those, bit. Those movies are for genre fans. Yeah, they are a warm blanket, fresh yes. out of the dryer. So I will say this: is that um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an excellent, excellent essay, and I can't remember off the top of my head uh, where it was published. But I apologize; it's easy to find. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, by the way, is an excellent media critic. Oh yeah. I know that everyone knows of him as a basketball player, but honestly, no. If you have if you if you have the uh the fortune to read any of his film and social criticism, the man is an excellent thoughtful writer. I love reading what he has to Kareem, say about Kareem film. Abdul Jabbar is one of those one of those uh celebrity figures that I find so just violently interesting. He's going to be writing for the Veronica Mars reboot, by the way. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, that's and that's. I mean, I like that. I said, so vitally interesting. Was, look, and look at his relationship with Bruce Lee back in yeah. the and at the height of his career. But uh, his, he's, he's got such an interesting but, story. Yeah, and you know, he was in Houston a month ago doing a lecture, and I didn't get a chance to see it because Aww. I had a show that night. Of course, you did. Uh, well, I mean, well, I mean, you you've had a like. Like I said, you've had a good year in terms of, like, uh, getting out there well, professionally. That's because 2017 was my trash fire. Yeah. So Mike spent 2018 putting out what was left of the trash fire. But anyway, point being, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an excellent essay about how 2018 was a landmark year for, year for what he is calling, like, a resurgence of black exploitation movies mm -hmm. and black cinema. Uh, because, of course, you obviously had um, uh, Spider-Verse, which is... You know, still Spider Verse, Spider Verse, Black, Black Panther, Panther uh, uh, Black Klansman. Sorry to bother you. Blind Spotting. Uh, yeah, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. No, sorry. Wow, why am I saying Ballad? No, no. If Beale Street could talk, yeah. Ballad of Buster Scruggs is like the whitest movie ever. It's so uh, white. If Beale Street could talk, I'm sorry. They're they're listed next to each other on the. Uh, I'm, if just Beale Street I'm just could... imagining an all black Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I would watch that, and I'd watch the crap out of that. I'd watch that. Um. So and he he was praising it as this year being like a watershed year for black cinema. He's not wrong. It truly is. Uh, if Beale Street could talk, by the way, I cannot recommend that highly. No that that is currently in theaters, by the way. I love Barry Jenkins, but anyway, and I feel like what he has to say about a uh, a resurgence of black cinema is very similar to how we're kind of seeing a really great resurgence in. Uh, like a, almost a, a neo grindhouse, mm. kind of what Tarantino and uh, Rodriguez were trying to accomplish about a decade ago, and it kind of fizzled out. But I think that now, again, between things like Mandy and Upgrade, which don't necessarily break ground 
narratively, I mean, we know exactly how those movies are going to end once yeah. we start watching them, but it doesn't matter well, because the, the way, charm. yeah, exactly. But the way we get there, so uh, Mandy is by the exact same director as Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I love, love Beyond the Black Rainbow. And it, its color palette is wonderful. And the same with Upgrade. You know, um, I when I watched Upgrade, I wish that Sony had outsourced Venom to Bloomhouse, and I brought that up to our friend uh, Andrew Williams of the the God Hates Comics podcast, who who quipped, "Upgrade was the best Venom movie that came out this year." It's kind of uh, weird. Uh, the I, I don't want to say complete 180. I've done on Blumhouse's output, but they have cornered a market whenever it comes to uh, horror films. Well, remember they produced Get Out. Yes. So. And I feel like for every uh, for every like truth or dare that they do, they also put out a get out or something an upgrade the, or an upgrade. Um, and I and I am ashamed of myself for admitting this, but I really liked Happy Death Day, and I'm probably going to see the sequel because I I have no convictions. Um, and I'm not even oh the hate you give was another one that was mentioned for the uh, the the black cinema. Yeah. That's wow. A, that's I, another one. That was, I don't know why, my, guys, I have a migraine. I am not well right now. Well, like you said, you're you're not entirely human at this point. No, I'm not even at all human. I'm literally just celluloid and that really tasty custard I got at Shake Shack. It was chocolate and it had a good texture to it. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's been, it's been a, this has been a. A really banner year for Actually kind of hoping that 2019 is a bad year for movies just so I can get some rest. I don't know if it's going to be a bad year for movies. I know that uh, you can pretty much expect uh, Disney to have all the money. Because I I, I feel like uh, Disney's cornered the tent poles for 2019. They do. It's going to be... It's one of those things where part of me is like... These are movies I'm excited for, but another part of me is going, I am not at all on board for this monopolization of intellectual yeah. property. And also, I'm I another thing that's been that's been sticking in my craw here is the repeated referring to the upcoming Lion King movie as the live action Lion King when it's a hundred percent CGI. It's like they're embarrassed to be making an animated movie. Yeah. And, and that well, bothers me because it's is, Disney. Is Disney, it, of all places, should thing. not be upset about making an animated movie. Is it 100% computer generated? From what I understand. Or did they shoot on physical location and insert CGI? I, from what I understand, all of it's Because rendered. if everything is rendered, then yeah. I, I too, take issue. From what I've understood, everything is rendered. Because a lot of the animators that I know are like, what's so shameful about calling it what it is? Yeah. And honestly, when I heard... See, when I heard live-action Lion King, I was thinking it was going to be staged like the like the Broadway show, which would have been amazing well, to watch. Apparently, they do take some cues from the Lion King but stage show. I mean, just give me, like, the full-blown with the costuming. and yeah. I, That would have been great. It but I feel like that's too inventive for the the house style that Disney has pushed. You know what? Around. You say that. You say that. But every time the Lion King comes around on Broadway here every year, it sells out. 
Yeah. It's impossible to get a ticket. I think that it, I think that audiences are going to be much more responsive to something like that coming from Disney than for example, if you and I put out something like Toilet Shark the musical. I mean, the thing could oh, well, it will be because it's us. The thing could be the most brilliant movie and thing ever made, but people are going to be like, "Well, it's not Disney, so I don't care." But yeah. like I, I do feel I like, feel Dis- like if, I feel like if, Disney has a license if, to print money with whatever they If do. anyone can afford to take a risk, it's Disney. Yeah. And uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if by the time Lion King rolls around, if the uh, the live action backlash will hit it. I don't think that I don't think that's the one that's. I going think Aladdin's going to break them. I don't know, mm, Aladdin possibly or maybe Dumbo, because uh, Dumbo is one of those movies that. Uh, it, Dumbo was one of those Disney films that I don't think a lot of people have a particularly fond affinity for. Um, and I feel like they're, we're also right in the middle of the Tim Burton hasn't done anything interesting in 15 years uh, sort of mindset. Uh, although I did rewatch Batman Returns on Christmas Day, which was appropriate. And <laughs> that it, it's funny because I found myself longing for that sort of weirdness with a DC property. Um, because as as much as that film that film was not my like in my heart of hearts, that's not my Batman. Um, I still appreciated at least the attempt to do something interesting with the character and with the mythos, as opposed to um, we're going to get to Aquaman next week, and uh, I have opinions about that, and so does my lovely wife. I haven't who, watched uh, Aquaman yet because of all the because of, yeah, exactly. Um, so that will be a fun episode. Um, we are gonna because we're gonna be throwing opinions. All over the place. Um, Welcome to Marwin is going to be an interesting. Uh, J- January is going to be an interesting. I, month. I have a feeling that my Aladdin, the Aladdin episode is just going to be yelling, me yelling the whole time. Why? Why would you get Guy Ritchie? Well, I, I, I have the ability to. Tur- I have the ability to turn down your mic, so and you can the, you can yell. I my, my I have so many just. All, I don't know why. I don't all know. caps. I'm pretty sure. About I don't know how anyone sat Aladdin down right now. I don't know how anyone sat down, watched the King Arthur Legend of the Sword, and said, "Yeah, we want to do that, but with Aladdin." Like I really don't. I don't see the. Um, like I know people are all raging over the costumes and everything, but I mean, just, it, just, it, why Guy Ritchie? Guy Ritchie is not the choice that I would have gone with. Well, kind of, it's the same thing that we were talking about for Isle of Dogs. Wes Anderson's probably not the person to be directing that. Right. It would have been nice to have seen somebody who's steeped in the culture and who has a appreciation from it from a from growing up in it. Yep. To to because it's go, it's going to feel a little bit like pantomime. That's that's yeah. Well, I mean I mean they I mean they did There's re- there has been backlash and I I will agree with it is over the fact that the woman playing Jasmine is Indian. And it's not because people are necessarily offended because she's Indian, but it's definitely they don't like the message that that all all, people all brown are, people that, look yeah, the same. That all people that come from somewhere in the general vicinity of the Middle East are interchangeable. Yeah, exactly. Because there's, I mean, big, big, big difference culturally and everything else between India and the Middle East. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's there's there's no, I mean, it's. And it's not whitewashing. It's an entirely different problem. Um, yeah. And I feel like that is something that some people are missing. Some people are saying, well, it's not like it's not like we got Scarlett Johansson playing Jasmine. I'm like, but it's, that doesn't mean that it's not a problem. It doesn't but I mean, mean that I'm, it's not an issue. I'm hearing from both Middle Easterners and from 
South Asians yep. as well, both of which are like this, you know, yeah, it's cool that you cast a South Asian woman and gave her an opportunity, but like, why are you basically saying that our culture is interchangeable with Middle Eastern when it's completely different? Yeah. There's no... There's but, there's very little in the way of, of commonality there, and they're like we just don't like the idea that we're interchangeable. But again, that's that's going to be a whole episode. Well, like we've talked about, I mean, and, and if I offend anyone for saying this, then my apologies. Uh, I will, I will make an apology for it. I am, from a genetic vantage point, am literally more Arab than the woman playing Jasmine, mm -hmm. and I have no, I have no business playing Jasmine. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's that's entirely like, true. Because I'm Sicilian, which is a mix of of uh, North African and European, genetically. Genetically. <laughs> genetically, I have more in common with the Middle Easterners who should be playing yeah, the character. So, like, and, you, and again, you could have auditioned and submitted a 23 in me, and it wouldn't have been wrong. <laughs> well, it would have, because culturally, I mean, culturally, I have no claim. I have no claim culturally. I do not. I do not make any claims to be right. an Arab American because I'm not. I have no cultural, but like I said, from a purely, but from a purely technical and historical standpoint, yes, yeah, so I am actually more qualified than she is, and I shouldn't even be playing Jasmine. Yeah, exactly. I would never take a role from a Middle Eastern character. Yeah, because it's for it's, Middle Eastern actresses. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's going to be, if nothing else, 2019 is going to be an interesting year. As far as discussions go, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. January is going to be interesting because that's where we're going to hit everything that came out in December. Yeah. That, uh, again, we didn't get a chance to talk so about. Welcome to Marwin. We're going to do Welcome to Marwin. We're going to be talking about Vice. We're going to be talking about Aquaman. There's... You have some great guests lined up for all those. Oh, yes, we uh, do. We... That's, that's one thing that I do want to take a minute to talk about. Um, I'm very, very happy with uh, how this year has gone with regard to all of the wonderful guests that we've we, had yes. on this show. Just um, everyone that has... Repeat, all of our repeat offenders, all of our regulars, um, but all even the, the even and, the one hit wonders, we love you guys. You, That's you why guys we call been, you wonders. You guys are you guys are great, and uh, everyone. It, it it warms my heart that people are like climbing over themselves to get guest spots on this show. I I was really surprised when we tried to schedule the first six months of next year. Uh, the amount of of responses we got for people wanting to be on the show was so overwhelming that I actually took two weeks. To figure out who was going to be on what to make sure that everyone got yeah. the stuff they wanted, but also to try and be fair to everybody. Luckily, everyone seemed pretty happy with, yeah, with what they got. But. 2019, at least from what I've seen from our schedule um, for the first six months, it's, it's going to be really interesting. We, uh, we do have some uh, niche episodes that are going to be coming up as well where we don't talk about a movie specifically. We're going to be... We're working on scheduling. Because we've had we've had great responses to some of our more roundtable episodes. Yeah. The the, uh, the animation roundtable was uh, was a particular favorite. The disability and media episode. Um, Your favorite problematic still gets uh, yeah, a lot gets of hits. Lot I of noticed love. a lot of love. But next year we are going to follow through on our promise to do the LGBTQIA and media episode. And we in in um, in February we we have a professional stand up friend of mine who is. An amazing film critic and film buff who is going to come do a history of comedy talk with us, which should yeah, be a lot of fun. Gonna We're going to focus on some of the older things like Three Stooges and Abbott and Costello. So very excited about that episode. Yeah, so we're going to have a lot of great topics for discussion. It's going to be a good year. Again, I want to thank everybody to uh, thank everybody who's been listening this year, who has uh, tuned in with Fidelity, who has uh, followed us wherever we went. We appreciate it. We've been really like flattered and excited about 
everything and all the the support that we get we could not be doing this without you guys like otherwise i I love uh the the one thing that i love about what we've been doing with this show um and you know we did several several episodes uh of this show as a podcast before we moved to kpft and one of the things that i love about this iteration of the of the show is that kpft is a community radio station oh yeah and so that sense of community kind of pervades this show and kind of guides us it gives us a direction it gives us a mission statement well and our listeners um, have donated our to kpft donated. as well which um, we really appreciate and by the way while we're approaching the end of the year if you need your tax deductions kpft.org slash donate right and it's one of the things that really uh put a big smile on my face this year was whenever we traveled up to austin for the staple Expo. oh yeah we had a big KPFT banner. Um, the number of people, even up in uh, you know up in the hill country, who know about KPFT, who love KPFT, and who uh, you know wanted to support our show. That was that was a great uh, a great. Yeah, we got a lot of listeners from a, here. So yeah, thanks we, for to if, our to anybody who did find out about us from Staple. Thank you for listening. Um, but to I, anyone who didn't, thank you for listening too. And thanks thanks, thanks to everybody. Like, uh, yeah, who all of to our guests. Show. I mean, we have guests that tune in almost every week. Uh, like. Uh, you know my, uh, you know. Speaking of your family, ma'am. my mom, your wife, like, I think everyone can you know, understand when we're giving shout outs to family because right. if we give it to our friends, it would just be the entire episode. Yeah, I know. But right? we do we, t- we we are so grateful. If I didn't have a migraine right now, <laughs> I would probably be crying yeah. just because I'm gonna. I'm literally. I I had a uh, at a Sumatrapan right before going on air. It's it's legal. I have a prescription for it. All I took right. it as prescribed. I'm going feel, to sleep. <laughs> I feel like that's a good place to end the show because the live stream is about to die because I never charge my phone. Oops. Uh, but oops, hey, oopsie doodle. Um, we'll see you in the new year, guys. But Woo! We will see you in the new year. Thank you again for listening to KPFT. Um, for uh, for all of us here at Pop and Schlock and KPFT, we are signing off for 2018, and we will see you next time. Thank you so very very much. Thank you.